You're listening to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm your host, Michelle Lawrence, and I've had the opportunity to interview many of those who are making a difference at the intersections of yoga and health. And I'm here to share with you their stories and conversations. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, I interviewed Sarah Wartell. Sarah is a Colorado-based yoga teacher and yoga therapist in training. Along with her yoga training, Sarah received Thai Yoga Bodywork certification and is a Reiki master. Sarah says she was destined to be a yoga teacher and lives to share her favorite yoga life tools or hacks, as well as hold empathetic space and understanding of how challenging it can feel to be human. In January of 2021, Sarah was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Since then, she's undergone surgery and treatment, has experienced side effects, and now is in recovery. Today, we'll talk about Sarah's journey through this past year as she dealt with cancer and how her yoga practices have supported her and what her life looks like today. It's such an honor to talk with you today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me and creating this platform today to discuss the humanness, and I like to call it the case of feelings that cancer journeys can invoke. Mm -hmm. Well, let's dig into that a bit. But before we do, I'd love to start with a little more background on you. I just shared with our listeners that you say that you were destined to be a yoga teacher. What makes you say that? And what first brought you to yoga? Yeah, absolutely. I genuinely believe that yoga was a part of my plan from the start, from birth. I was born on 108, and yoga, that's a sacred number. I guess it's not only found in yoga texts, it's also found in Buddhist and Hindu texts. There's 108 beads on a mala. We do 108 sun salutations in yoga. By definition, it means spiritual completion or intuition. Sometimes people describe it as the measurement of the distance from the earth and the sun. And when we combine that with the definition of yoga, meaning union or to yoke, I like to say that I embody the mindset that my experiences from birth to now have created the capacity to hold empathetic space for people to move and breathe in and be themselves and be present. My birth on 108 comes full circle with what brought me to yoga in the absolute first place, and that was when I was 18 years old and I was pregnant with my son, Deegan. I had a dear friend who is a new yoga teacher and a massage therapist, and we're still friends to this day, and she taught me sun salutations, and in those moments, I learned a lot. (laughs) I first figured out that I might have been walking through my entire life without breathing fully. (laughs) And I'm sure as a yoga teacher, you can empathize with that. I also recognize where I felt strong and where I felt weak in my body. And to be honest, I didn't really like that feeling at first, but yet it left this curiosity of wanting more. And I've stayed that way to now all the way through my cancer journey. Being curious and staying curious about how all things are connected mindfully and intrinsically. So yeah, that's how I believe I was destined for yoga from birth. Yeah. And it is sort of amazing to sit back in wonder and wonder how all things Mm, are connected. mm -hmm. Right. So let's talk a little bit now about the experience that led up to your cancer diagnosis in January this year. 
as most of us were navigating life during a pandemic, you were doing that <laughs> along top of a major illness. So what was it like and what did you go through and how did you deal with that at the time? Yeah, to be honest, to get the cancer diagnosis in itself was a shock. But to get it during a pandemic was a whole other level of worry to kind of navigate. And so to answer how it impacted my cancer treatment, the toughest part was due to the timing of when my surgery was actually done. I had my transverse colon and mass removed. And because it was an evening time surgery and due to strict visiting restrictions placed by the pandemic, my husband didn't even get to see me to my room after surgery. So we did this wheel by kiss, <laughs> which when I was still very sedated coming out of surgery, but it was a very sentimental moment because when you're sick, you just want those who love you around to kind of help you and nurture you back to health. Thankfully, though, the team at UC Health, the team we opted for were amazing. They were there for me throughout that scary first night. After surgery and after treatment, then you have the impact of how do I live safely as an immune compromised being during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And here's where we are super grateful that I was able to get the third Moderna vaccine. We're still wearing masks when we're interacting with others to help reduce the risk. Not only is it difficult to be an immune compromised individual, you're also asking a lot of others to an extent. And that can feel like you come with a checklist. Does that make I guess? Yeah. Like my oncologist team would prefer that I'm not around a lot of people indoors or being inside or those who have traveled by plane or who are exhibiting any type of symptom of anything. And that can feel restricting. And we are trying to find a balance safely as a family so that we don't let just fear be our guide mm. and we can be safe the best we can during a pandemic with cancer. <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky. And I remember even speaking with you right after you received your diagnosis and you went through a period of time that led up to that of really not knowing what was wrong with you, right? And having to go to the hospital, you were Absolutely. sick and being tested for COVID time and time and obviously being negative until you finally figured out what was wrong with you, right? And that right. was part of it as well. Yeah, it all happened really fast. In January, I started feeling unwell with nausea, vomiting, horrible abdominal pain. The benefit you get as a colon cancer patient is you finally get to successfully talk about poop. Yeah. So <laughs> you can say I've had blood in my stool, rapid weight loss of 20 pounds in a matter of a couple months. Mm. From January through March, I had been in and out, like you said, of the ERs, labs, doctor's appointments, radiology services countless times. Unfortunately, my initial CT scan had been overlooked. My transverse colon area, they couldn't evaluate it, the wording they used on the mm. image impression. And that was never further evaluated. And so for two months, I just continued to get sick. And so the transverse colon area is the belt-like area of your colon underneath your stomach. And so that was the part that was removed. And I had stage three cancer, and that means it was curable, unlike stage four, and yet it's expanded beyond my colon and into my nearby lymph nodes. They removed 19 plus inches of my colon in the mass, and they connected healthy tissue and bowel, and that was all done laparoscopically. 
I healed from that from a hospital stay for a couple days and then home for a month before starting the next step, the medical treatment of chemo. I was on two forms of chemo for my medical treatment. One was IV called oxaliplatin, and orally I took Zolota. They are both heavy hitters, I guess you say, in the chemo world. The next best, biggest heavy hitter would be for breast cancer, I guess you could describe it as. It was a three-week cycle, two weeks on of chemo, one rest week for our healthy cells to recover. So each week I would go in for an IV infusion, and that was given with fluids. Because I was anemic, sometimes iron was added on the first day. Each two week of cycle of oral chemo pills was almost 108 pills. So <laughs> there's that 108 number again, which Man. when you break that down though, over two weeks, that's eight pills a day. So for a person who doesn't take pills, that was a lot. And side effects that came with me through chemo, and there's a myriad of them, were blurred vision, interesting ones. I couldn't touch metal. I couldn't touch or eat or drink cold things nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, insomnia. There was voice issues where I wouldn't be able to articulate what I wanted to say. Brain fog, extreme fatigue, hand and foot syndrome with neuropathy, which that basically means your hand and feet, they peel and they're red and inflamed and you feel pins and needles like lightning in them. Skin rashes, I had hair thinning. Gratefully, I didn't lose all my hair. And I got these little things called chemo curls, <laughs> which is kind of a goofy thing that chemo does, but it does it. The goal of chemo is to lead your body to toxicity, <laughs> which is an interesting way to put it. And that landed me in the hospital with the scar tissue abdominal obstruction. That experience introduced NG tubes where they place a tube down your throat, you swallow, and they connect it to pressure to kind of intermittent pressure to alleviate pain in the belly and get it to heal. Mm. And I think this is really a perfect place to discuss how yoga tools yeah. are effective in all this. That, I'd love uh, to know what yeah. that looked like for you. So yoga tools, they were simpler than what you might think. I think a lot of people, when they think of yoga, they think of the asana, the very strong physical practice and that couldn't be further for the truth in how I define yoga. I keep it that very simple, anything that brings connection and union and yoking of self. So for pain management, I used Amy's method, the stair step breath, one of your teachers in the inner peace yoga therapy program with visualization. And this Amy is, Weintraub, right? Yes. So after surgery, I was in intense pain. I took no narcotics during my treatment. Not one time, not after surgery. I was on a lidocaine drip, so a numbing drip that allowed me to do that. But the stair step breath, since my breaths were sharp anyway, like a mini version of hyperventilating, let's call it that. The stair step breath of taking short sips of air in met me where I was at in that state. Hmm. And then you visualize at the top of your breath something that is soothing, and then you just exhale very deeply and slowly to bring your central nervous system back to a state of ease. And I found that in several yoga mudras or hand postures helpful for focus or tingling in my hands and pain. Some of my favorites were pranidhana, a gesture of surrendering from what keeps us from ease. Matanji Mudra for encouraging digestion in all states of our beating, whether they're good or bad. 
and Boo Mudra for groundedness when my mind would really be overwhelmed by shock and trauma of dealing with cancer. My physical practice was interesting since I was weak from chemo and I was in bed a lot. Joint rotation has literally became my primary practice. To this day, it is my favorite. It can teach you a lot about how your body feels from head to toe and how it moves from head to toe. It gives a sense of accomplishment that you move your body in some way daily, right? Right. You got it all covered. (laughs) You can do this from bed. You can do this standing. You can do this sitting. So it makes it doable even in an unwell state. These practice, again, I said they keep me from being narcotic-free post-surgery. And to me, that's huge for cancer patients, but for anybody that experiences pain in general. Mm-hmm. And something that is, I feel, worth advocating for and exploring more scientifically. So once you're done with the chemo, there's post-treatment, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What did that look like? And yeah. yeah, what supported you there? So once you're post-treatment, you're something that's called NED, no evidence of disease. And you're clear from your chemo. And you think, oh, everything's over great, I'll move on. Unfortunately, with cancer and chemo, that's not the real choice you get. And you get post-treatment side effects. And those can, again, include a lot of things. And mine that I experience are brain fog. And that feels like I'm sometimes wearing a space helmet. I'm functional in it. It just makes me a little slower at pace, which, again, that's not a horrible thing. Mm. Foot and hand neuropathy and syndrome with the peeling and the tenderness and inflammation nausea, abdominal discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. And I continue to utilize my yoga practices I discussed. And now that I'm nearing two months post-treatment, I see doctors for scans, labs, and that will happen every few months for five years. And after five years, then I start. Up to then, I live with this kind of reoccurrence fear of 30% chance of that it could come back. And you establish this healthy relationship with fear, (laughs) or at least I'm trying and it's Mm -hmm. imperfect and it's a work in progress. And treatments that help me get through are the yoga practices I talked about. I'm using acupuncture. I do a lot of energetic studying and journaling along with visiting and making sure that I'm speaking with a therapist and a yoga therapist to keep my body moving and to discuss various feelings that pop up during the recovery. Mm -hmm. And your family's been tremendously supportive too, right? And when I, knowing that about you and your husband and your family and watching you go through this, it gives me comfort, right? To know that you have that type of support because not everybody does. And I'm sure it made such a huge difference for you. My husband was my rock. And that makes me emotional to say that. He fed me, he held my hand, he wiped my tears, he listened, he advocated, he helped me set healthy boundaries for myself with others and kept me connected with people when it was hard, when I would not feel well. And that was really important. I had a whole sisterhood with my inner peace yoga therapy Mm -hmm. sisters reaching out to me and creating videos and Mm. sending texts and meals and all those things are important uh, for cancer patients and caregivers to lean into that support to accept it and uh, yeah it's wonderful 
Yeah, because it lets you do the work of healing, right? And not necessarily the work of uh, navigating or doing. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about how this experience through cancer has changed you. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. I expect it probably has in one way or another. And having gone through that, what advice can you share with others based on your experience? Yeah, cancer in a way redirected everything. And what I want to say, what is most clear to me now is how I've been presented this new path to teach from. It's really important to me now, along with becoming a yoga therapist and an addiction counselor, goals that I was wrapping up prior to cancer diagnosis, is I also want to inform others about the importance of screening for colon cancer. Mm -hmm. This disease impacts nearly one out of 20 people. Let's say you're in a restaurant. Let's say you're even at a gas station and there's 20 people. One person there is going to be impacted by colon cancer. That's how... It's becoming just everywhere. It's the third leading cause of cancer death. So there's these pre-screenings and just understanding of symptoms is really important. Right now, it typically isn't screened for until your mid-40s when you have your first colonoscopy through your, you know, you meet with your primary care and they say you're 45 and they're like, it's time for you to have your first colonoscopy. And even that is new. I think it's a change. It used to be 50 and it's only yes. recently that it's 45. Yes. And unless you have some history in your family or genetic testing information, you wouldn't have it before 45 or just think before 50. And this can be really dangerous for patients like myself, where my symptoms were kind of ignored and my stage was prolonged greatly to how I presented as a thin framed, lab perfect yoga teacher, healthy individual. Mm -hmm. And so my advice to others, patients, caregivers, is pay attention to your bowels. <laughs> mm. Funny enough, silly enough, pay attention to your poop. It's important. Keep advocating for yourself if something in your gut feels off. I knew I had cancer. I told people around me that I had cancer, and it just took one doctor that I had to switch to finally listen and do something. Mm. Find a core team of like my team at UC Health had something like 20 plus people in it. It was a very well-rounded integral team that elevates you and supports your intuition. And don't let the weight of the case of your feelings keep you down. And this weight of the case of the feelings will, it will change. And it definitely has changed how cancer has changed me in regards to feelings is I'm much more mindful I always prided myself in trying to be a mindful person, and now it's just much more mindful of how I talk to people, how I listen to people, how I empathize with others, how I support them in their journey and their process, and just to keep moving and breathing even when it's hard. Mm -hmm. Keep believing. Yeah, that's some solid advice there. Thank you. So finally, and for those who listen to the podcast, you know what's coming next. I do like <laughs> to ask this question to each of our guests, and that is in our training programs at Inner Peace, we teach our students who are studying to become yoga therapists that one of the key pillars to doing the work of a yoga therapist is to first have your own steady daily sadhana or spiritual practice. And this really sets the foundation. It comes before holding space and doing any work with others. And so you've already shared with us what your practice 
look like through treatment? Maybe it's still the same, but how do you approach your daily practice now? What does it look like? Absolutely. So I was telling you before we started recording how I was a little nervous for doing the podcast and my sadhana, my practices daily that I do to check in and have self-care and nourishment was a hot tea, holding something warm, making sure my feet were on the ground, deep breaths, boo mudra. But really, my daily sadhana practice, pre-cancer, post-cancer, explores the five koshas or barriers to accessing who's my true inner self. So as soon as I wake up, I check in physically. I hydrate, I rotate and move my body through that joint rotation process. Sometimes I do it lazy in bed and I love that. Mm -hmm. I clean my skin. I nourish and fuel my body throughout the day with good food and a balanced meal. I check in with my breath, doing mudras, doing simple chants, singing. I mentally check in by mentally meditating, journaling. I love walks or practicing art and invoking creativity that way. And lastly, I like to keep the mindset of a student and maintain what invites joy and what keeps connection and what brings well-being to others because that's important to me and keeping that curious state of mind fresh and uh, keeping the heart open. That's beautiful, Sarah. I just love speaking with you today. I'm sure our listeners will love hearing this too. I'm honored to walk beside you as you go through your life and your journey and all that it's brought you, especially over this past year. And I look forward to what lies ahead for you too. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me, this talk and creating the Inner Peace program for me to get certified through. It's been a great place for me to heal and grow. If you'd like to learn more about who we are and what we do, visit us at innerpeaceyogatherapy.com.